what's up everyone? My name is Christian Baldanza Ditacchio. And I'm Juliano Clary. And this is Tifosi Football Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today on Thursday, November the 19th. A lot to talk about today. Hope everyone enjoyed the uh, international break for the Nations League. I know us Italian fans have. Congratulations to the Italian team. Make it to the final four of the Nations League. Very well deserved. We'll definitely be talking about that. Um, so here's the rundown for today. Uh, we're going to run down, run through uh, some uh, key matchups that happened in the Nations League. Uh, talk about Italy's two great games against Poland and Bosnia. Uh, what worked well for them and uh, any room for improvement. I'm sure everybody knows it's probably going to be in the attack. And uh, some big games coming up uh, this weekend. Uh, we're, uh, we're returning for match day eight in the city. Uh, big game this weekend. I can't wait. Napoli and Milan. We're going to break that down for you as well as every other game. Uh, a lot of news happening in Italy as well. Uh, Roma appointing their new general manager. We'll be talking about that. Um, and then also some uh, Canadian soccer news. Uh, talking about Forge FC, Toronto FC, and... Uh, the CONCAF Champions League qualification and the rumblings that are happening with will the Canadian Championship happen or will it not happen? We'll find out. But anyways, we'll talk about that later on in the show. Um, let's just jump right in. It's been a it's been a long time since we've been uh, since we've been on. It's it felt feels, like a long time. Yeah, it feels like forever. So let's just jump right in. Let's talk about La Nazionale. Let's talk about Liazzuri. Fantastic two games. Um... Let's talk about them. What, yeah. what were your thoughts? Do you want to talk about separately, or do you want to talk about them in general? Oh, what do you want to do? I just—they looked amazing. I'm on cloud nine. I haven't been this happy about an Italian national team in in ages. Yeah. And hey, the second game against Bosnia, there was not one Juve player in the starting eleven. Four times that's only happened in the past ten years. And you see how well they played. <laughs> <laughs> see, listen, they played well with Bernardeschi in too against uh, against Poland. Um, so yeah, so let's talk real quickly about Italy, Poland. Italy coming out victors in that game. Uh, Italy just went right to work. Lewandowski was nowhere to be seen. Yeah, he was in- invisible this game. The Italian defense shut him down. Yeah, with, it just uh, Bastoni and Cherby in the back. Yeah, there. that but that Bastoni and Cherby pairing. Turns out to be really well. There's a very bright future. Uh, obviously, not as many years down the road for Acerbi as Bastoni, but uh, amazing, amazing story with Alessandro Bastoni. He was basically a quick fill-in, brought in just for the Estonia game. Turned out to play all three games in a span of ten days. Um, hopefully, he can carry that momentum over to Inter, but we will see. Um, the midfield solid. Absolutely solid. Look at Tali, Jorginho, and uh, Barella. Yeah. I mean, those guys were solid. What did you uh, What did you think of the four line, specifically Bernadeschi getting his appearance? You know what? He wasn't that bad. He wasn't that bad. He, he showed... He, he's using the right position there on the wing. Um, I feel Bernadeschi performs much better for the Italian national team than he does for Juventus. I think he's given more of a chance on the international stage. So what do you think about him against Chiesa because for me personally I think Bernadeschi's always had more skill than Chiesa yeah. and uh, I just think it's always been a confidence uh, issue with him I think Bernardeschi as an attacking wing 
is a better option than Chiesa. Chiesa needs to sit more wide in the midfield, not wide in the attack, because yes, he can run up and down the flank, but all he can really do is, all he has is a cut in, and that's it. Yeah. He's, it yeah. yeah. If Italy plays a 4-5-1 or a 4-4-2, I can definitely see Chiesa playing as a right mid. I don't like him anymore on the right wing side. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I like Bernardeschi there, but I liked Berardi better. Yeah, Berardi, he's a different class. He knows how to hold on to the ball yeah. and pick out the, the proper moment. Bernardeschi is more reactionary. Yeah. A bit more cutting in. Shoot. He has an, a wicked shot yeah. that a lot of players can't uh, can't compete with. That's his strength. Yeah. Um, well, Berardi Ber- too. Berardi Ber- Ber- too. scored in the, yeah. the Poland Ber- game, Ber- right? Berardi, I'd say, is more clinical. Yeah. Bernadeski's just a, he's a powerful. Yeah. He's a powerful player. Um, and Chiesa, you know, is kind of... It worked out that he wasn't in the team this yeah. time because I find when he's on there, Chiesa, he slows down everything. He does. Playing up front and, and with Bernadeschi and Berardi, it's uh, it's a good offensive line. Anyone can score on this Italian team. It brings me flashbacks of the old Italy. Yeah. Uh, and that the fact we don't rely on one goal scorer. Anybody can score on this team. Yeah. And that's always been kind of Italy's. That's uh, always been Italy's that's way. Been, yeah, that's all. Yeah. That's how Italy's always done it. They've yeah. never had to rely on one team. I mean, on one player. No. And not a lot of teams, especially now on the international stage, are are like that. Yeah. I mean, if you look back at when we won the World Cup in 06, our hitman was Luca Toni, who only managed two Ukraine, goals. In the Ukraine. In the Ukraine, that's it. But then you had Iaquinta step up. You Materazzi. had Matarazzi step up. You had Del Piero step up. Gilardino step you up. You say Grosso. Grosso, Grosso step up. Like, it's a, a Pirlo, too, right? Like, it's yeah. a Totti with you that amazing Gilard, penalty. Gilardino, yeah. Del Piero. Like, it was, it, it, it was well leveled off. You don't have just one guy that can score. You have everyone. That can yeah. score. And that's the beauty of this team. That's what this team reminds me of. If you look yeah. at this team, anybody can score. Uh, the defense still hasn't chipped in with the goals you would expect them to because Italy has always been, me growing up watching Italy, Italy's always been exceptional on set pieces, corner kicks. Yeah. The center backs have always pitched in with a goal or two. Now you don't really see that as much. Uh, but overall, good. And I would just want to point out Insigne too. He... Yeah, this is the best I've ever seen Insigne play. Lorenzo Insigne has just shorn up his position in the starting eleven with that left wing spot. You cannot take Lorenzo Insigne out. My like the touches he was taking in the Bosnia game, yeah. the Poland game. He did that beautiful assist uh, for Barardi. Was it Barardi? No, sorry, I'm gonna mix up with the goal scores here. Uh, he got the beautiful assist in the second game, right? I believe it was the second game, yeah. On Belotti? Yeah, that's On a, that rocket? Yeah, on Belotti. I'm getting mixed up with the play, yeah. So he came in, little chip pass, and Belotti, yeah. it wasn't a rock. He kind of mishit it, bounced it into the ground, and went in. And then uh, Locatelli did the almost identical thing with Berardi, but Berardi, yeah. better finisher. But uh, Absolutely. Insigne, wow. Yeah, this, this team looks great. I think the only criticism I have is that who's playing in that striker role. Yes, you're battered with COVID-19 tests and, and injuries and, and and isolations and teams not releasing their players. But, I mean, how many more times? I mean, I understand Andrea Balotti scored, but how many more times are you going to give this guy a shot? I just, they, they were solid performances. They just don't convince me. Is uh, is uh, Andrea Balotti Chido Immobile in that central role? It just 
still it still doesn't work. Yeah, you watch Berardi. Uh, sorry, Berardi. You watch Belotti. He is not a a natural striker or a no. coach, I should say. And that in the box, it doesn't come to him naturally. Yeah. To me, I don't think he's great at reading a, a cross coming in and no. doing one touch finishing. No. Uh, he's not good at it. No. He needs, like we've said, to be running on the ball. He has to have the ball at his feet, and he has to be running at a defender to yeah. score his goals. That's me personally. Yeah. You saw in the Insigne pass, Insigne pass to Belotti. He didn't hit it clean. It bounced no. to the ground, went up. Uh, that's not the type of striker Belotti is. No. And Chiro is very similar, but I think Chiro has more technical ability. Yeah, Chiro has, Chiro's Belotti. a more skilled version yeah. of Belotti, right? More skilled. I just... I, It would have been nice to see Chiro play with the the form that this Italian team's in right now it would have been nice to see I think Chiro would have scored a few goals yeah I just I still think they need the way they set up the way they line up the way they look they're just they're screaming for that big guy up front they really are they're screaming for a guy like Luca Toni Graziano Pelle like those kind of guys. Yeah, it was a shame to see Caputo have to miss this international break. Yeah, I think it, he could have made. A yeah, but even then, I mean, they you know, it, they had Stefano Okakachuka there. It yeah, would have who played a decent game. Yeah, he played like only ten minutes, yeah. but he was it, dangerous. He was dangerous he when he was. came on. He was because he's that kind of player they need in that kind of formation, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yes, it would have benefited to see Chucho Caputo in that position. That's what he thrives on. It's a swallow. This is this feels like that's what this Italy team's built like. It's built like that. It's a swallow team, right? But with a much better defense. Yeah. Um, yeah, Okakachuka, I would have loved to see him more. I would have even loved to see, you know, give Moise Kana a, a, a crack at running. Yeah. Right in the middle, right? Doing it for Paris Saint Germain, right? So yeah, he should be given a chance. Like uh, should be given a chance. Even give Andrea Petania a chance. Like I know I'm screaming yeah, this guy's name. Anybody? I don't want to see like Kevin Lasagna have to come on again no, for Kev- Italy. No, Kevin Lasagna is not worthy of the national team. I'm sorry. I get it. He gets on because he's a hard worker. Yeah, and she probably likes that. He runs the channels. Yeah. Whatever, but you know what? If he's gonna just be uh, running the channels and stuff, maybe put him as a sub, as a winger. That's what yeah. Iaquinta did, kind yeah. of for the national team. Iaquinta yeah. would come on as a winger in, yeah. in the Ghana game. That's yeah. what he. That's how he scored his goal. Yeah, he's Iaquinta was never a gifted striker. He just was a hard worker. Yeah, and that's what Lasagna reminds me of. So maybe don't play him as a as a striker. Yeah. He's fast. And he runs a lot, so maybe yeah. it needs to be transformed into a winger. Yeah, but it, if, if he stays on this Nazi Nazi team, yeah, if you're a Roberto Mancini, you have a good problem, and you got a lot of key players here that you're gonna have to look at. Yeah, so I'll, I'll pose you a question, Varati. Do you bring him into this team now? Because you see the Barella, Jorginho, Locatelli combination. I don't think they got subbed at all in any of the games. No, they didn't. They didn't. And they played they look, phenomenal. Yeah, they look really do good. You, do you tamper with that? I think Ferrati's got to come off the bench. What do you think? I would agree with you. Yeah. I, think. I think he makes a team. I just... He would really interrupt that flow. I agree. And... It's nice to see Locatelli, a bigger midfielder, yeah. come in. Because Barella, Jorginho... They're smaller. Verratti, they're more smaller. And Verratti's small too, right? Not as opposing. Yeah, they're, they're smaller midfielders. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how impressed I am with Manuel Locatelli. This guy is just... He's been a phenom. He's fit in so well. Uh, really fits the system. This guy's got a bright future. He's only 22 years old. 
There's yeah, a it's a he, bright future for the Italian midfield. I'll tell you that much. Said in that Bosnia game, that beautiful chip pass to Barardi. Yeah, both the solo players. That chip pass yeah. is beautiful. If you're if you're an Italian fan, it is a very exciting time. We're not there yet, but we're definitely on the right track. So we pose that question for the midfield. What do you think about the defense now? So the defense is, is a, now so no Chiellini, no Bonucci. You had a Chebi Bastoni. They got two clean sheets in a row. Yeah, I mean Bastoni making uh, his debut for the Italian national team on this international break. He yeah. made three. He got three appearances. Three appearances. He played all three, he played games. All three games. Same same with uh, Cherby, I believe. And he right? looked good. Yeah. I, I mean, is Mancini going to play the political card with Bonucci and Chiellini? I think he will. I think he will. I think we're going to see Bonucci and Chiellini line up, and that's going to interrupt the flow of this momentum. But I think Bastoni and Acerbi... Bastoni, I think Acerbi for sure is on the, on the team going into yeah, the Acerbi. Euro tournament, 100%. He's going to be the Barzali. Yeah. The What's, what, where does Mancini see Bastoni? Is, this is Bastoni's senior team debut. Does Bastoni make the tournament... Or yeah. are they going to save him for the other 21s? I think the tournament you're going to name your four center backs is Bastoni, Chedby, Bonucci, and Chiellini. What about Alessio Romagnoli? I don't think Romagnoli is going to get called. You know, there's there's so much. there. We might have a bit of a problem now. Unless unless one of them get injured. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bonucci, Chiellini, yeah. Chedby, one of the I other feel players. bad for Romagnoli because every time he gets called up, there's a problem. <laughs> yes. There's a problem. This, he's a good center back. I like him. I think Roma really dropped the ball on getting rid of him, but um, he's a good he's a good solid center back. And I'm not sure. I don't think, and he's not going to make the team. But he's playing okay at, in Stad Rene and Daniele Rugani, right? I mean, now we're starting to have we're starting to have a little bit of a conundrum here in defense, which is a shock because we haven't had that in a long time. It's Absolutely. always been Bonucci and. Chiellini for a long, long for the time. longest time, which hasn't been good for the team. My, you know, and it, my biggest problem with Italy over the years is they've never wanted to introduce young kids into the team. And they, now they, they do. have no faith in young yeah. kids. Yeah. And Mancini's come out and he's said otherwise. You know, he wants to play. Yeah. It's all about the youth. Yeah. And you look at all the great, you know, great teams, former great teams, other nations, they all. Bringing these They're kids. better at incorporating youth than Italy is. Yeah, Italy's never been the. Sh- it, it's never been good at incorporating youth. Like Locatelli, for instance, I believe he's only 22, 22. 23. Yeah. He, I don't think would have. No. Got an appearance. No, uh, he would not. If he was twenty three five years ago, he wouldn't. They wouldn't yeah. give him the chance. They'd yeah. give someone who's more of a veteran and more experienced. Yeah. You know, all that. I think fluffy stuff, and he would get pushed to the side, and uh, yeah. I don't like that. I'm, no. I'm glad to see the direction we're going I'm, in. I'm definitely glad to see the direction that we're going in. I think a lot of the credit's got to go Roberto Mancini and how he's doing it, but you also got to give credit to his assistant manager and Alberico Ivani because yes. Alberico Ivani, a lot of a lot of people don't know, he was the manager of the under twenty Italian World Cup team that fi- managed to finish third place at that under twenty World Cup that punched above expectations. So he knows these youth players really well. A lot of these players, a lot of those players were on that. I mean, the one notable player, Luca Vido, who's he's still got time. Yes, but he knows these. He knows his talent. I think it was a very smart move for Mancini to bring Evani in here. He and credit to him, he did a great job. And that's why he did. That's what makes Mancini good. He realized, listen, the veterans haven't been pulling their weight for the past ten years. Yeah. We have to go to the youth. You have to, and that's yeah. why Evani. Obviously, to me, that's why he was brought in. Yeah, because you have to. Absolutely. The, the the players in the age bracket of I'd say twenty nine to thirty two they've they failed yeah 
the past 10 years. Now it's time to bring in a new generation of Italian uh, players. Definitely, definitely. You know, it's Locatelli, Baralla, Barardi can fit in that uh, yeah. in that group. Bastoni now, Donnarumma is only 21. This team, I know. Watch out. Watch out for them. The national stage. Watch out for them. I know all of the commentators. I think so too. Uh, the commentators in both games are saying, "Oh, if you know, if the Italian team had a had a had a hitman like Zeko or Lewandowski or even Harry Kane, there's this kind of team is screaming for that." Yes and no. Yes, yes and, and no. But like we said, Italy. Italy's always. They've had, never relied on any one player to score no, goals. No, and that's like yeah. uh, you know when Spain was on top of the world they didn't rely on anybody no. to score they'd win their games one nothing all the time yeah. Germany yeah like, I mean when they had Fernando Torres and David Villa these guys weren't going out scoring 10 goals no. in a tournament they weren't all the best teams in the world they don't rely on one exactly. goal score but all those other teams that have that one goal score rely heavy on them and they struggle I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick at Poland I'm really not they're just the obvious they're yeah. the obvious Lewandowski uh, is a stud the best, one of the best strikers in the world you the team relies extremely heavy on him because after him there's Eric Milik who's only made competitive appearances for the national team this year yeah. has been rotting in the stands at the San Paolo in Napoli because of money issues no surprise there and uh, Piontek right so who do you have Lewandowski he's clearly a class above everybody else and yes you have a solid goalkeeper in Wojciech Szczesny but when you have that one player, yeah, the goals aren't there. The goals aren't there because once you take them out of the out of the equation, that's when you struggle, right? I mean, uh, that that's this Italy team is very exciting. I'm very happy, very good mood with this Italian team. It's been a long time since we felt this optimistic. Are Italy the favorites to win the Euro? No, they're not the favorites to win the Euro, but people should expect them to do something and possibly be a contender for the European Championship. I think the outlook for this Italian team is making a semi-final appearance and anything after that is gravy. Obviously, as an Italian fan, I'd love to see them win. Um, my well, heart- ne- next season, or next season, next year is going to be crazy because you're yeah. going to have the Euro, yeah. you're going to have the Nations League final, and then the World Cup. Qualification. Yeah, it's a busy, you it's going to be a busy, busy, busy season. Yeah. So, But with a youth team, you should be able to to thrive right but we'll see what they do italy the the bookies have come out now after um after they firmed up the last four euro spots just to kind of change gears a little bit so uh for those of you that don't know scotland slovakia hungary and uh macedonia are have finished those last four North macedonia yeah born pandev he's gonna be making uh his first ever Major international. I think tournament. it's been 17 years he's been on this national yeah. team. Credit to them. I mean, they're going to be just happy to be there. There's a lot of, there's quite a city out. There's Ilya Nestrovsky from Udinese there too as well. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few Macedonian players that are playing in the city out. I just got to say about Pandev, what a story. He, yeah. Uh, he's been the face of that Macedonia team. So he's in the twilight years of, twilight years of his career and that will probably be his last year next year. And what a send off yeah. that will be to yeah. I think this is be it for Pendant. I think yeah. this is the perfect way to go out. Um, Scotland, first competitive tournament, first international tournament appearance in since 98. Since 98. Since 98. Uh, Sinisa Mihailovic in Bologna did a huge celebration for them because of Hickey. 
who's on the so once Scotland won in the penalty shootout that was actually a really good penalty shootout um, Bologna was up in arms mm-hmm. celebrating for Hickey so congratulations to Scotland Glasgow is one of the host cities so I know the Scotland Czech Republic game is going to be in Glasgow that is going to be insane I'm not sure I don't know off the top of my head where the England and uh, Scotland game is going to be but you can imagine that there is going to be that'll be a huge game that'll be a huge game Um, Hungary really feels bad for them they're they're in the group of death they're with Germany France and Portugal probably going to be the whipping boys of that group um, but because there's 16 spots in the round of 16 up for grabs, the four best third place teams do go through. So if you can manage a few points, you can make it through. Um, and then, of course, Slovakia. Slovakia is in Poland's group. I believe there was Slovakia, Poland, Spain, and Sweden. That's that, That's the group there. So it'll be a very competitive group. Slovakia is definitely no pushover. Don't forget, they got a stud in Marek Hamsik. A lot of people have forgotten where Marek Hamsik, about Marek Hamsik, but uh, he's making his millions of dollars in China. Yep. And still uh, performing. Still performing. He's carrying the Slovakian team on the on, on his back. So I'd watch out. They're, they got, they're, more, they're more to that Slovakian team than Marek Hamsik, but he's the basically, obviously, the standout guy. Um, so Skriniar screen, as well. Yeah. Got screen, some good players. In they that. got some really good players. So anyways, uh, here's my beef. So we have the, the stage is set. We have our 24 teams. It's a big beef. Yes. It's a big beef. The bookies came out. They have given the odds for the outright winner of the Euro. Now here are here are your favorites to win the tournament. They both have 11, they all three of them have 11 to 2 odds to win. So these are the best these are the best odds. They're obviously three of them are the favorites. It's Belgium, it's France, which I understand. But then you have England as 11 to 2 odds. <laughs> are you kidding me? England? England. So England has 11 to 2 odds. They have better odds to win the Euro than defending defending champions Portugal who are 12 to 1. Spain, Germany and Netherlands are all 7 to 1. And our Italians, our beloved Azzurri are 12 to 1 favorites to win the tournament. So we're on we're on par with Portugal. So they have put Netherlands which I don't understand and England which I really don't understand ahead of Italy in the odds to win this. Now, my biggest beef is with England, and I'm sorry because this squad that you have is not good enough to be a favorite. You guys got spanked by Belgium, okay? You beat Iceland. Big deal. You struggled against Denmark. I think you finished third in your Nations League group. Did they finish third in the Nations League group? I think they did. I believe they were tied up. You finished behind Belgium and Denmark. You finished behind Denmark, for crying out loud. Okay, and now everyone's like, "Oh, it's because you know Christian's Italian. This is why. This is why there's the beef with the English fans." No, I, the beef. My beef is this. Okay, prove to me that you're a favorite. The big argument is, "Oh, because the semifinals and the finals are in Wembley." Well, let me break this down for you. Head to head, England and Italy. Head to head. I'm just gonna break this down. I'm gonna break down World Cup appearances and Euro appearances. Okay, play that right now. So, England has qualified for 15 out of 18 World Cup tournaments. So, they haven't qualified for three of them. Italy have qualified for 18 out of 20. So, 
England's missed it three times. We've missed it twice. Okay? The best finish for in a World Cup for England is champions. One time. 1966. Out of how many times to the final? Once. You've only made the final of the World Cup once. And yes, you won it. Good for you. You were the you were the host nation. There's controversy about that goal, but we're not gonna go into that. You guys were champions once. You have that one star. And let's talk about Euro appearances. You guys have qualified for nine out of a possible 15 Euro appearances. Italy on par as well, nine out of 15. So we're tied there. Your best finish at the Euro, when it comes to the best region in soccer, the toughest region in soccer, the t- arguably when it was at 16 teams, it was even not eight teams at one time, arguably one of the toughest, the toughest tournament in the world to win next to the Champions League. With the 24 teams now, it's a little watered down, but that's another conversation for another day. You guys have never, ever made it to the finals. Your best appearance, your best finish in a European championship is semifinalists twice in 68 and 96. You haven't made it past the quarterfinals since 1996. So what makes you think you're going to get to Wembley? I'll be be my only counter argument to this. That's a big if. (laughs) My only counter argument to this is the Euro has changed. The Euro format used to be way harder. I get it. It is. It used to be way harder. Now... Now it's easier to get through uh, past the group stages. Before it was only 16 teams and 16, sorry, right? 16? Yeah. And it was the elite of the elite coming through. Now it's watered down. But when you get into the 16, you should realistically be in the elite of of the elite, right? Of course, of course. So I'm saying this time they'll probably get further into the tournament. I don't think so. If you get a favorable draw, you know, like Portugal, fair to them, they won in 2016. I believe they finished third in their group. They did. They finished third in the group. They didn't win a game in in regulation time in 90 minutes. They didn't win one game in regulation time, I believe, in all the knockout games. Maybe except it was Wales in overtime. I can't even remember. Can't remember. But all their games pretty much went into overtime. Their victory went into overtime. Not that it matters. They still won. Yeah. But it goes to show you with this format, there's ways... But I don't think you should be eleven to two favorite to win. You should to be on par with Belgium and France is a joke. France won the World Cup. Belgium hasn't really won anything. Belgium too for me shouldn't even be a favorite. That's that's another team. I don't. I think they're overrated. England. I got a huge. Beef the only with thing that. with England is this is probably the most talented group of players they've had in a long, long time. With Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Mason Mount, Sancho, they got. A lot of talent. Phil Foden, who scored uh, two goals coming off the bench. Problem is, and the English media is calling for him, is their coach, their manager. He sets this team up with three center backs. Well, he plays three at the back because they have no center backs. Yeah. Their center backs right now are Maguire, Mings, Dyer. So not the greatest center backs. Right now he's throwing Kyle Walker, who usually plays as a right wing back for Man City. He's in the center back position. Yeah. He plays two holding midfielders all the time in Henderson and Declan Rice. And he plays uh, another two wide players, one on the left, one on the right. And then he has his three up front and he hopes it creates something. That's how Gareth Southgate plays the game. He he got called up by Mito for being a coward, his former uh, player at Middlesbrough. And uh, I think it's Gareth Southgate that holds his team back. There's no doubt about it. They have talent on this team. I just think the coach for England is wrong. Not denying the fact that they have talent, but they still shouldn't be a favorite. They still should not be a favorite. 
They have improved. They're not a. They're 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 individuals. They're not a good team. They're yes. just a bunch of individuals. Exactly. That's what they are. Like in the Gerard Lampard days. Yeah. That's Paul what they Scholes. are. You're just fitting a bunch of players into something that doesn't work. Exactly. And that's what's happening here. Yeah. With this thing. That's what I see with this England team. Yeah. That's you guys shouldn't be eleven to two. If anything, you guys should be twelve to one odds. You should be on par with Portugal. You should be on par with Italy. I'm not saying. I'm just my Who argument. Who else is on that list again? Who else is on this list? The Dutch are seven to one. They're so who's after England? Yeah, Portugal, the next favorite. Spain. Spain seven to one. Croatia's thirty three to one, but yet they're in the top six in Europe. I don't understand that. Yeah, that's a bit odd. Denmark's in the top that, 10. That will change with Croatia. These yeah. odds will all change yeah, as we get closer. I'm sure they will. Denmark, 66 to 1 odds, but they're they're 13th in the world, but in the top 8 of the European rankings. Wow. So, I don't understand these odds. I just My argument is, there's no respect for the Italian team. We've been to the final three times. We've won once. and Historically, a tournament Italy has struggled in. Historically, the a tournament Euros. that we have struggled, but we've done a lot better than we've done a lot better than some of these favorites. Yeah, we have, and we're playing our three group games at home in Rome. I think we play a, we might get a quarterfinal game there, but after that, it's all in England. That's just my main beef. I, I think right now, honestly, if the if the Euros were, were to start right now, honestly, I would have behind. I think Italy can go head to head with Belgium, no problem. I think so too. Belgium doesn't scare me. As no, a team. Belgium doesn't scare me either. We showed that in 2016 with our worst squad, exactly ever. And they, and they wrote was, us and off. They were in their prime. Yeah, and, and they Belgium wrote us off. Generation. And they wrote us off. And we taught them a lesson. Exactly. The only team that I'm worried about as an Italian, France fan, and they've been a thorn in our side. Oh, I'm always worried about for France. the past 20 years. It has been France, exactly. Yeah. They have depth in every position that no other team has. Yeah. Uh, my biggest fear it's crazy the options France have my biggest fear is we'll be in for Euro 2000 again France coming off a World Cup win yeah going to the finals of the Euro and breaking our hearts that's my biggest fear repeat history repeats itself it's cyclical people I'm a little worried we might see that again 21 years later yeah, it's, it's crazy that they can bring in, for instance, uh, in their game against Sweden, they yeah. brought in Giroud and Griezmann, yeah. who hasn't been playing great for Barcelona. Giroud doesn't get a minute for Chelsea. He comes in with two goals. I think yeah. he's France's all-time goal scorer now. Uh, he's, I think, a couple goals behind he Henri. Cool? He's a couple goals behind Henri. Yeah, so I think anyway, it's like three or four goals behind And he's Henry. up there. This guy gets no respect. He's a third-string striker at Chelsea. Yeah. He is going to go, though. He is coming, apparently, to Serie A. Maybe Inter, because yeah. January is approaching. Inter's being uh, tied with everybody, but back to France, like it's insane yeah. who they can put on this. Uh, They're dangerous team. They're dangerous, but at the same, it's time, another team though that I think is held back in a way by their coach Didier Deschamps. Because I you think so. I, I think he holds them back, and that I think they could be more decisive. Sometimes France. Sometimes I feel they're they're a bit too uh, cautious. When they don't have to be. That's just my opinion. Well, when the time comes, and we know the time is going to come one day, that Zidane's going to take that role. That's when yeah, I'm scared. Maybe. That's when I'm scared. I'm scared of France now. I'll be frightened at that time. But other, some other teams that you cannot underestimate. You cannot underestimate Spain. Yeah, Spain. Uh, don't underestimate these guys. They're going. They're going through it. Kind of Italy went through, uh, but they're just recovering they a lot trophies. faster. They're recovering a lot faster. They yeah. they held on to their 
their golden generation maybe a tad bit too yeah. uh, long. They didn't integrate the young players. Yeah. And now you look at this Spain team. Yeah. And for the everyday fan uh, who doesn't maybe follow Spanish football, it's like, who are these guys? Some of them. Yeah. And uh, watch out. It's an, another amazing young team. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah. Watch out for the Spanish team. Another team, I think coach holds them back. I think he's hung on to the helm too long. Oh, yeah. Germany. Yes. Yeah. Joaquim Lowe, it's time to go. Joaquim Lowe, he was getting... Uh, it's time to go. He was getting annihilated in the German press. Yeah. I agree. Big, with the big thing with him was he dropped Matt Hummels, yeah. Boateng, and yeah. Muller. He cut them off from the team because you guys represent the old generation that doesn't make any sense ready for the new and these guys have all been phenomenal for their teams this season yeah you have nicholas sula and coke in the back yeah and uh who who would replace muller in this team yeah you know you have nabi sane Werner. you're you took out three leaders out of this team you did this german team and this is the worst germany i've seen in ages this but you german still can't team, underestimate them you know what this germany team they don't I'm not scared to face Germany. This Germany team is absolutely Well, as an crap. Italian, you're never afraid to no. face Germany because we're Germany, kind of their bogey no, team. No, any, any nation, this German team is absolute garbage. This is the worst German team I've seen in my lifetime. It'll be interesting they to see crap. what they do in that group of death because, you know, I honestly think, yes, it's a group of death between Portugal, Germany, France, poor Hungary. But the what four is, what best is, third place team? Germany's German, done nothing. No, since, no, I know. Germany's since they've won the World Cup. They've done nothing. They've done nothing, but they're still going to show up. They're still going to be yeah, there. Germany's Germany still going to be there. Germany. They're always. I think all about, three teams are going to make it to the next round anyway. But we're in a weird moment right now in, in international football, where a lot of teams are in a rebuild. You have Spain who's coming in a rebuild. France is an established power right now. Belgium is an established power. Italy, Italy, Italy's on a rebuild. Portugal is in a in a in a mess of a rebuild too. Yeah. They won. But now they're bringing in a new generation of young players led by Joao Felix. Yep. Uh, team, I, I think they're dangerous, to be honest yeah. with you. Cro- Croatia's on a team that's on the down a bit. Yeah, Croatia's on a team that's on the down. Netherlands are on a on a rebuild, but Netherlands don't impress me. What do you think about the Danes? England, England's on a rebuild upward. Uh, the Danes... I think they're pretty good. You know what I think about the Danes? I think Antonio Conte is an idiot, and you better play Ericsson because this guy has shown with this <laughs> Danish team yeah. that the guy can pull the strings yeah. as a leader, and he doesn't have to be running around the field like a maniac no. to, to do it. So I think that I, that's what I think. I about think the Danes. that's a team you should not underestimate. The Danish team. Yeah, they're, they're they've won solid, it before too. So yeah, the Danish team. They're just a solid, tough like, to beat team. Yeah, that's that's what the Danes solid are. goalkeeper. Nothing fancy. Creative with Ericsson. Then you got Yusef Polson up top. Like Simon Kier in the back. They Simon Kier, defender. yeah. I mean, cash for Schmeichel and that. They're just a solid team. They got a wonderful spine in that team. Yeah, and I wouldn't uh, want to play them. Well, we know how we know how Italians are against Scandinavian teams. So yeah, I don't want to play Sweden teams. and I don't want to play Denmark. And apparently, Sweden's gonna probably try and bring Zlatan back for the Euro. I heard. No, I don't think so. I think. I don't. I think there's too much animosity between uh, the Swedish board and Zlatan. But if this guy's this guy's already got eight goals, I'd bring him back. Yeah, I'd bring him back. He's been playing. It's another good. option. It's another option. He brought confidence in this Milan team. But anyways, that's. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. A lot of teams are. Yeah. They're not I, what they used to be. Yeah, I can't wait. I, yeah. I'm pumped. As an Italian fan, this is the most uh, optimistic. I think we can... Yeah, I don't think I've been this optimistic since 2006. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, even them when they went into that tournament, who thought they were going to win the tournament? I did. We no, knew, I didn't think we they knew there the was tournament. a chance, but yeah. on paper there was better teams. But, oh, there was. But. Sorry, not better teams. There was better teams with individuals in them. Yeah. But that Italian team, yeah. a lot of legends were made that year in that true. Italian team. It's true. It's been that long. And uh, I can't wait. 15 years later, yeah. the same excitement has resumed. It has. The same excitement it's has good resumed. It's to be back. It's been a long, long time. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. So for those of you that are interested more so in the Euro Cup talk, of course, we will be doing a, we will be following the Euro. We will be covering the Euro on this podcast. I can't wait. I just, I wish I could start today. Me too. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. But uh, Italy, hands down right now, Italy, probably the best midfield in Europe. Yeah, I'm gonna I agree. say it. I'm gonna say it. They have the best midfield in Europe. And yes, better than the England midfield. The England midfield isn't good. Yeah. What England's strength is is their forward options. Yeah. They got a world class striker in Harry Kane. Like I said, Phil Foden. You have Raheem Sterling, who can't even get into the team right now. Yeah. Because of injury or whatever. Uh, but they don't. They're not, they don't miss him. So that's no. their strength. England is going forward. Their midfield and defense are uh, are weak. When you're bringing in Harry Winks. <laughs> Uh, the Spanish uh, midfielder there. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the new uh, Cleverly. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, so... There's a problem. So. That was my big beef. You can't have England as 11-2 favorites to win this. They they don't deserve these odds. They haven't performed well in this tournament. And just because the semifinals and finals are at Wembley, who's to say that England's even going to get that far? Yeah, and just one more thing I want to bring up with Germany. Uh I think I do think they're an abysmal team. They didn't even make it out of the group stage in the World Cup. No. They were... When did they get knocked out in the Euro? In 2016. That was four years ago. They in 2016? Went, they beat us in penalties. Yeah, I know. They that, lost in the semis. So they lost in the semis. That's right. Yeah. And that was the last time Mueller was part of that team. Yeah. I believe, right? And then the World Cup, they failed. And uh, now look. Now the only thing I'll say is they're missing Joshua Kimmich. He is a huge player for them. Absolutely. He uh, picked up a bad knee injury in the derby against Dortmund. So that's a big piece missing. But besides that, Germany, honestly, they don't impress me too much. No. Well, we'll see what happens. But that's our international talk. Let's move. Let's bring it back to the domestic. City A. City A, it's back. It's back. I have missed it. Thank goodness. I've missed it. Listen, as, long, as much as Italy's made us, made us happy over this international break, City A has been missed. It has been. It has been missed. So let's go. Let's break down these games. First game to bring us back on Saturday, the only game of the day, at 9 a.m., Crotone. No, there, uh, there's three games. Oh, Saturday. sorry. Three games. Sorry. My my table. Mamma mia. Sorry. Uh, you? Uh, sorry about that. Anyways, Saturday, first game to get us back, Crotone hosting Lazio, Lazio at the Stadio Ezio Schida. Yeah, it looks like Chiro, uh, he's back in training. Yep. I think he had a medical today. He passed it. So he should be available for the game. Playing the worst team in Serie A. Lazio sitting on 11 points. Crotone sitting on two. Lazio undefeated in their last three games yeah. in Serie A. They haven't lost a game in all competitions in their last six. Yeah. Crotone, on the other hand, hasn't won a game yet all season. No. They even lost in their uh, Coppa Italia game against... Uh, which team is this? Who am I getting mixed Who'd up? Who they with lose? Here? They lost? Yeah, they lost in penalties. Let me pull Jeez. up the team right here. Spal. They lost to Spal. Oh, you lost to Spal. So. Oh, my. Crotone, I'm sorry. You guys You guys don't deserve to be in Serie A. I thought Spezia was going to be where you guys were, but jeez. Like, you guys 
Whew. Horrendous. Crotone, we knew we were going to be pretty poor. but Yeah, but I don't think I expected them to be this, this poor. To not have even... Uh, to have two draws, that's it. So two far. draws, that's it. They've conceded 17 goals. They've only scored six goals. It's just... It's not looking good. It's not looking good at all. Um... I think it's very simple. Lazio, a lot of their players don't go out on the international break. Cheeto's back in training. Huge, huge tie against Inter before the international break. They got so much momentum. I just think Lazio wins this game. I can't even give them a draw. I got to give Lazio the win here. Yeah, Lazio, I think, hands down. They might be missing Luis Alberto this game. Big deal. Uh, He might be missing this game, but not a player that's going to be missed, I don't think, for this game. Uh, for Crotone, the only hope they have is if uh, Lisandro Magallan, the Argentinian center back, if he plays a hell of a game in the defense, Simi's going to have to show up up top, popping a goal. Yeah. And I want to see uh, their new signing, Jacopo Petriccione. He's a small little midfielder. He played for Lecce under uh, Fabio Liberani. Great ball distributor. Nothing fancy. I want to see this guy in the team. He's only made two uh, appearances off the bench. I want to see what he can do in a game like this. I think he's uh, has a, a bit of talent, that guy. So I, that's Crotone's only hope. Really, they're not good really at anything. I don't see this team. They don't stand out with any strengths. When no. I think of Crotone, I can't think of anything they do good. No. They're poor defensively. They're poor mid, in the midfield. Poor up top. Simi's really their only option up top. Cordaz and Net, he... He's Cordaz. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Okay, he's... Uh, He's not going to win you too many games. No. You know, I expect an aggressive, I think, hard-fought game. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fouls, a lot of tackles. You're going to see Lazio probably score a goal on a free kick, yeah. probably a set piece or something like that. But expect a hard, hard-fought battle. So a nice way to start the weekend with lots of yeah. uh, crunching tackles and cards. I think that's what you're going to see. And I just think Lazio's going to dominate. Yeah, the I, I think we're both on the same page there. Lazio's going to dominate. So let's move on to the next game. At the Stadio Dino Minuzzi, La Spezia, they host Atalanta. Atalanta. Atalanta sits six with 13 points. Spezia on on eight points at 13. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it's going to be an... I think Spezia but, can give uh, Atalanta trouble. Atalanta, though, should be rested. They should they be. They should be rested. They should be. But Atalanta... Which benefits their style of play because they're an all-out attacking team. Atalanta, sitting in sixth place, has conceded 14 goals. La Spezia has only conceded one more. That's the crazy thing. Atalanta, I know, one one goal difference in defense. One goal difference in defense. I think this is going to be... And then when you look at goals four, obviously Atalanta with 18 goals four, La Spezia with 11. We we knew that was going to be La Spezia's struggle. I think... As Giuliano said about the previous game, I think this is going to be a hard-fought game. I think Italiano is going to come out. He's going to come out compact. He's going to know how to play a counterattack on these guys because Atalanta is going to probably play the press against La Spezia. Realistically, La Spezia should... Uh, La, not La Spezia. Atalanta should win this game. Yeah, well, the, the interesting part will be, like you said, will Gasparini play the press because he uh, changed the tactics and it ch- changed the tactics against Inter because yeah. the team was fatigued from overpressing their opponents. Yeah, he said we were going to dial back the pressing. Absolutely. So that's going to be the interesting part. How does Atalanta approach? Do they do the high press or do they do the mid block and then press when Spezia enters the midfield area? Because we know Italiano, he has the courage to attack teams. If he, he had does. the courage to attack Juve. 
who has a more solid defense than Atalanta, he's going to have the courage to attack Atalanta. Because yeah. Atalanta, like we said, the difference in goals against is one. Yeah. And Spezia is capable of getting a, getting a result They're here. very strong at finishing. They have uh, Enzola up top who popped into the yeah. two goals there. I don't know if Gali uh, Binov is going to be back for this game. And uh, their winger, his, his name's slipping my mind right now. They have a tricky winger yeah. from Ghana. I'm going to have to Google this quick. His name is, uh, where is it? Emmanuel Gyasi. Gyasi, yeah. And you got to give credit. to do uh, damage to Atalanta. You got to also give credit to Ivan Provodal, their, their starting goalkeeper who's filled in for Zoet. Mm-hmm. He's been doing a very great job. Um, and the other the other piece of information here is Atalanta plays this game, and then midweek they got to worry about Liverpool in the Champions League, where realistically it's a game they need a result from. Yeah. So it's kind of, so you're going to probably see a rotation in for this Atalanta team because are they they're obviously gonna I think they're they gonna got two big yeah they got another yeah big games coming up yeah so do you do you field your A team for this game or do you field your A team for Liverpool that's the big thing I think you have to field a big big uh, team for this game I think you have to I think you have but I think to. I think you can win this game as Atalanta if you play a little bit smart because Atalanta yeah they should they have a lot of good players in the air. They yeah. have a lot of good ball winners in the air. Yeah. In Christian Romero, for instance, uh, yeah. the center back. And Zapata too. And on the road the this year, they've on the road they're three zero and one. So they've they've got they've only lost once on the road, whereas at home is where their record's a little abysmal where they're one one and one. So it's gonna I think this is gonna be a tight game. A very tight game. But I think Atalanta wins this game. Yeah, I think Atal- they edge out Spezia. Yeah. It's not going to be a blowout. It's not going to be. A, it's not going to be a blow. You know, Atalanta will dominate the game in their half in Spezia's half. Yeah. And like I said, yeah. I think for people yeah. to watch out in this game, watch the aerial battle in this game. I yeah. think Atalanta. That's where the edge is. Atalanta is going to bring something else on the set pieces. Yeah, and. For those of you that are that are statisticians here, La Spezia in three games has only got one point at home. They've gotten most of their points on the road, two, one, and one. Less mm-hmm. pressure on the road. Um, you can sit back on the road. On the road games, you can sit you back can sit and you back, take yeah. the home team has initiative. And to that come plays out. more into Spezia's favor when yeah. they're on the road. So, like Spezia, their their problem is they create too many fouls around their box. Yeah, that's been their problem this year, and the teams have been able to capitalize on those mistakes. So they have a few weaknesses yeah. in mental lapses in regards to fouls and poor areas and stuff like that. So Atalanta, they just have the quality where they're going to edge out Spezia Absolutely. on a set piece again, or it's going to be a moment of brilliance. Papu Gomez, top corner, yeah. free kick, something crazy. Absolutely. So let's see what happens there. So I think we're both saying Atalanta in this game. Yeah. Congratulations, though. Also, Remo Freuler, Switzerland, uh, yeah. got a goal. In his game against Spain, yeah. I think in the draw there, so Get a little momentum to carry in Good there for him. Let's move on to game number three, two forty-five game on Saturday. Juventus hosting Cagliari at the Allianz Arena again. Another tricky game, I think. Yeah, this game's gonna be crazy, uh, crazy to call because who's gonna? Eusebio has got this Cagliari team. They got. They're back. firing. They're firing. I mean, they they've done well. They've they've won three of their last five. Juve. Juve, who's going to be... Have f- dominated in history in regards yes. to this. They've won their last uh, five out of six appearances against each other. But who's going to line up in their defense? That we 
don't know. We Delict, don't know. Delict might be back. Apparently, there's a crazy thing is if Calidi wins this game, they're tied on points. I know. 13 points. <laughs> Calidi is sitting in 11th. Juve 5th right now. Yeah. And there's only three points difference. Yeah. I mean, and I that's mean, how tight this league is right now. Yeah, the league's really tight. I mean, the one thing with Juventus you got to give them credit on is they don't they don't leak goals. They've they only don't. Con- they've only conceded six goals, so they're they're second in terms of defense, best defense in the league. Next to Verona. Next right? to Verona, they haven't lost yet. No, they haven't lost. Wojciech Szczesny is a stud. They got Cristiano Ronaldo. But you know Eusebio's going to come out. He's going to play a compact counterattacking game. He's not going to come out and take it to them. Uh, is going to play smart. Uh, this this might be the game that breaks Joao Pedro's streak. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joao Pedro now is joint goal, top goal scorer with Giovanni Simeone on the Cagliari team with five goals apiece. Um, yeah, this is a this is going to be a grind, I think. Yeah, this game, I agree. It's going to be a grind. I don't think uh, Juve, Pirlo... So I'm going to put it this way. Pirlo doesn't have the tactical nouse yet to... Uh, no. You set up a team to beat up Cali. Better set up that way. Yeah, you say he was going to set up the team better to win this game, but the difference for me is going to be Juve is going to be a moment of individual brilliance. It's got to be. You're going to see, you know, whether that be Ronaldo doing something, Chiesa winning a a foul on the box to win a penalty, or maybe DiBala finally having a a good game this season, coming and dribbling past three guys and slotting it top corner. You know that's that's what's going to win Juve this game. Yeah, in my in my uh, mind, Cagliari is dangerous. You know they could uh, they're very good at free kicks. Yeah, there's a danger there in regards to uh, opportunities being scored because now they got Goldin. He's a big set piece goal scorer. Got on counterattack. So if Juve does take the game to Cagliari, they do have to watch out for that Cagliari counterattack with Nandes. And the right side of uh, defense, Cagliari loves to attack down the right side. Yeah. But defensively, they've just conceded way too many goals, Cagliari, this season. And I think that's where you're going to see it's going to have to be a moment of individual brilliance from a Juve player. Yeah. Uh, That's what I think. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Ronaldo that uh, it's going to be Ronaldo that makes a difference. And uh, I can see Cagliari scoring in this game. Yeah. I can see them scoring. But, uh, yeah, it's a matter of will they be able to score first and lock down Juve? Yeah. Me, personally, I don't think so. I think Juve's too, uh, got too many, too many skilled players on their team. I think so. I think so. It's, uh, so, I think I'm, so we're both saying Juventus in this game? Yeah, I'm going to give it to Juve, but I think Cagliari... But it's gonna be, it's I gonna think be they tough. can get a goal. It's going to be tough. These yeah, are, none informed. of these games are going to be blowouts. Cagliari's only lost two games in the last six, which one but was yeah. to Atalanta, one was to Bologna. Yeah. They, they beat In that Samp. time, they beat... Uh, yeah. They Samp beat Sampdoria. They beat... Uh, they won their Coppa Italia match against Cremonese. No and surprise they, And they beat uh, Torino. So, there you go. we'll see what happens. But expect a tight game. I, I guess all three games are going to be grinds. Yeah, Saturday. Saturday Saturday is going to be a grind fest. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Sunday. First game, 6.30 in the morning, Eastern Time. Cesare Prandelli's re-debut with Fiorentina as they host Benevento at the Stadio Artemio Franchi. Prandelli in the news, in the media there, already changing the formation up. Looks like it's going to be a typical Cesare Prandelli 4-3-1-2. Frank Ribery is going to drop behind the two strikers. That's the tactical change. Yeah, that's yeah. the rumor. That's the tactical change there. 
which this, I think is good for no, it's good Fnibari. for Fiorentina. It's good for Fiorentina. It's good for Ribéry. It's good for Prandelli. This is a good. Te- this is a team you want to debut against. Um, usually, when we see coaching changes, they're always a positive result right away. Uh, Cesare Prandelli's had the international break to kind of go over things. Um, I th- the last podcast we talked about it was more of a. La- we felt there was a lateral move. There was better options for coaching. Um, coaching options for Fiorentina, but. The difference between Prendelli and Yakini is Prendelli will come out and attack, whereas Yakini was a counterattack. So I think that's the big change there. Other than that, it's more of a lateral move. But it's it's Prendelli's re-debut. He's shifting things around. This Fiorentina team should be about a lot better than where they sit. Um, hosting a Benevento side, what's people and Zaghi gonna do? Yeah, that's gonna be the tricky part. Yeah. Uh, both teams have been abysmal defensively yeah. this season. They've been horrendous defensively uh yeah more so benevento obviously with 20 goals against yeah the worst defense in said yeah yeah fiorentina too though their defense if you watch if you watch fiorentina games casares has been at fault yeah he's dropped he's been atrocious he's dropped a few uh games but the big the big stat here is fiorentina's at home this is kind of where they've made it their fortress They've, they're two zero and one at home, and they've and they've so they've cleared they're six playing, points. They're playing at home. Yeah, they're at Temio Franchi, and on their away records where they've been abysmal. Benevento, on the other hand, it, it, it's worst defense in the city, huh? And they've their their record at, on the way is the same record at home. They're they're one zero and three at home, and they're one zero and two on the road. So, yeah, it's you know what though I think. Me, I wasn't a big fan of Prandelli coming in for this team, for Fiorentina. Yeah. I personally think Benevento is going to get one up on Prandelli in this game. Yeah. I think Inzaghi, because Benevento, even though they're not the greatest team, uh, obviously in the back, that's their glaring weakness, but they are a threat going forward. They play in your face, hard, very aggressive team. They always look... They get the ball. They always look to spray yeah. spray the ball forward. So if Fiorentina is asleep in the back, which they've been caught out quite a few times, uh, Benevento midfielders have no problem just launching the ball into the channel and having their forwards yeah. run onto it. That's the that's the danger with uh, with Benevento. Now does Prendali come out thinking, oh, I gotta I gotta come out and prove something. I gotta come out and make these guys play attack of football and everything, and get them, you know, dominate Benevento. Because I'm telling you right now, if, if that's the approach he's gonna take, Fiorentina is gonna get ripped apart in this game. Yeah, I, I agree. Because I think Benevento, they're a good counterattacking team. Yeah, great at using the through ball. Like I said, good on set pieces. Like they have the ability to score a goal. It's just whether they can. Lock down the defense. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a tough question. I mean, me, I just I'm convinced that this is going to be a quick. This is there. The Fiorentina players are happy that Yakini's gone. There's a bit of a momentum shift. Yeah, they might I play just, with more joy now. I think they might, and I think especially now that you've taken Frank off the wing and you've now brought Frank. Or Frank as, as a striker. You I like Frank that behind. move. I like it's a good move. Yeah. That's where he belongs. To me personally, I see Fiorentina picking up three points at home on this game. It's going to be a perfect debut for Fiorentina. Do for Cesare Prandelli. Is it going to last long? Who knows? But uh, I just this Benevento team, the way they leak goals. It all depends on what people does. That, that's it. It depends right? on how people sets up his team defensively. Yeah. Are they going to play a high block? Are they going to try and 
play this offside trap that they, that they stuck with all season. Yeah, like and it also comes down to Prandelli, who, yeah, you know, who's he gonna play up top? Yeah, is he gonna play Crutrone, Kwame, Callihan? I don't even know if he's available. That's gonna be the question. That's it. that's what Prandelli has going for him. He has the advantage of people's not gonna know. Yeah, what he's gonna start. Yeah, you know, starting eleven is gonna be. And I think Prandelli's got better tools at his disposal than, than yeah I, I think so Fiorentina definitely have more yeah. I'd so, say more talent I'm just going to say Fiorentina's going to win this game what about you I'm going to say Benevento's going to win okay. this game so I'm, if you're I'm going off the the unbeaten path here if you're a betting if you're a betting person Giuliano suddenly take Benevento I just think I think if there's if there's a game that can be an upset here this is That's an, the this one? is a possible upset here okay because I'm not sold on Prandelli no, I'm not sold either. I just think that this is going to be a, historically when there's a change in the guard, it's always a positive. Yeah, change. usually there. Yeah, I see that. Usually it's a rebound effect. Yeah. You know, you see it with Sam Allardyce in the Premier League all the time. He'd yeah, come in famous, Big Sam. famously. He'd come in halfway through the season or at the end of the season when a team's failing. He comes in and he turns them around. I can get six, seven wins in a row, and then he gets fired after three days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the next season, exactly. So. Okay, so if you're a betting person, Juliano's telling you to take Benevento, I'm telling you to take Fiorentina. Let's move on to the next game. This is going to be an interesting one. The, bone, the, the bonehead derby here. The bonehead derby. <laughs> Between Gianpaolo and, and uh, Antonio Conte. Yeah, this is... Uh, yeah. This is a... The Giuseppe Meata, I mean... Oof. I don't know. Like th- This game... Th- this game is going to be an interesting one. Because... Yes, as Giuliano said, this is the bonehead derby. Yeah. <laughs> like two boneheaded coaches who don't want to change their approach. Sorry, I shouldn't be calling Gianpaolo Bonehead because he has changed his approach a bit. He's more. He's not. He's less of a bonehead than yeah. Conte, Conte is becoming a more of a hardhead yeah. as the weeks go on. Yeah. Well, there's. I mean, you know, like for instance, I love that Lukaku came out in the media. He came out and said, "I want to help Ericsson Yeah. Come in. And there's rumors everywhere in the newspapers. I don't know if someone's leaking, but they want to get rid of Ericsson in January. This I think it's ridiculous. I've heard of swaps for Granit Xhaka for Ericsson. Yeah. Like, what are you thinking? Yeah. We have players in that midfield that are like Granit Xhaka. We don't need more yeah. Baralas and Vidal's in this team. Yeah. And Brozovic's. No. We need Ericsson's. Find a way to incorporate an Ericsson in the team because the yeah. guy has the ability. He has the ability to play. I hate that I have to always talk about Ericsson when uh, we talk about Inter. Yeah. But I'm telling you, this guy can make it. I've seen it with Denmark in their international games. He has the ability to take over a game. He does it in a different way to what Conte wants, but he has the ability. And Conte has to open up those eyes and see that. Yeah, I agree. You know, you are going to get a, you got a player for a steal price of 20 mil. Yeah. You got him for a steal. A steal. Maybe it was somebody he didn't want to bring in. Nothing. Maybe it was someone he didn't want to bring in. Maybe it was upper management that said, "We're taking this guy, whether you like it or not." And Conte's kind of sticking it to them, say, eh, "He's useless." I don't think Ericsson's useless. I think it's. I think he's uh, he's rotting on the bench, and he showed for the Danes in this international break what he can do. But I think this Inter team is kind of a mess. I mean, there's a report now. Uh, there's a report now that Inter are reportedly on the verge of reaching an agreement to extend Samir Handanovic's contract until June 2023, knowing that he's a problem. That's and, that, and that's been Inter's weakness uh, the past. God knows how long they've held on to players that don't belong yeah. in the club anymore. So, 
and they keep renewing contracts. Handanovic has not had a good game that's, all season. No. It's time to go. Yeah, and that's time to go. just kind of a, a, just an example of what's happening here. I mean, and Inter need to win this game. They need to win this game bad because they got to they gotta stay up in the top four. Has con- but the, the, the yeah, big, yeah. Go, the big go, question, go. has Conte learned anything in this international break? I don't know. Has he? I have no idea. I don't know what he was doing this international break. And Nicola Borella's played three games in ten days. He played three, yeah, three games in ten days. But Conte, you know, he's a, he's gonna play him no matter what. He'll play him the whole freaking ninety minutes. Yeah, because that's Conte. Yeah, and he's gonna play Vidal and he's gonna play Brozovic. You know, that's the midfield he's gonna pick. Yeah, it drives me up the wall. Yeah, that that's his go-to. Hakimi on the right wing. Yeah, like these are all great players, but you are not setting them up to win. You're setting them up to fail. I agree. Because you want them to play like... Has he come out you want them to say how he's going to line up? No, but you know how he's going to line up. He wants them to play like they don't have talent. Like all the other teams he used to coach. Yeah. Teams, not the greatest amount of talent. He wants them just to run. Run, 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 run. Make tackles. Yeah. Create something out of chaos. And win through grit and just tenacity. Yeah. But when you have skilled players, why am I going to go run when I can make my pass do the running for me? True. They, these guys play with their their brains. They don't play with uh, yeah, absolutely. You it's know, all just pure physical. I know you got to run. It's a game based on running, but the best players in the world play with their brain. No, they do. They do. Right. And uh, you watch Ronaldo, Messi, Iniesta's of this world. Any great player, they're not running back and forth. No, they stay up the field. These guys because they know when the other team's running back and forth a hundred times to get the ball. I'm gonna have my full energy, and I'm gonna be able to run at these guys yeah. when they're all out of position. Absolutely, goal. absolutely. I just think it's gonna be. I think this game it's gonna really be severely dependent on how Antonio Conte lines up his squad. I mean, it's it's screaming for him to change. Will the guy change? We don't know. He won't. I'm gonna tell you right now, he won't change. So if if that's the case, I think you're gonna see a draw here. Both teams did get a draw in their last result. Mm-hmm. Inter uh, have won two games. It's, uh, it's showing right now. No, I'm wrong. They've won one game, I think, in their last eight, something like yeah. that. Torino have won two in their last six. Yeah. They've, so and you got only, a game that you need to win, and then you got midweek against Madrid. Uh, I don't even want it. Don't even get me started on, it's, on Madrid. It's true, though. It's true. You got... You got the only the only thing that Inter has going for them right now is almost all their players. It's funny. All their players perform on the international stage. Yeah. When they come into this team, everyone's lost. Yeah. And it comes down to one man. Uh, but in this game, you know, Inter here's, here's, is going to smother Torino in this game. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. They're going to smother Torino on their end. They're going to get the wing backs right up the field like they did at the beginning of the season. That's what's going to happen. And Torino, the only way they're going to get a, a win or a draw like any other team is going to be on a counterattack. Yeah. Is Bolotti, Bolotti versus Lukaku. Is Bolotti going to get, and this is his strength, getting the ball and running at defenders? Is Bolotti, is Inter going to be able to shut that down before it happens? Because you know if Bolotti gets the ball and is, is, and is able to run at the center backs, which we know have been struggling yeah. for Inter, you're going to get a goal. Yeah. And that's it. Absolutely. That's, that's the only threat Torino have against Inter. Otherwise, yeah. Inter, if Lukaku shows up and scores, it should be a win for Inter, no problem. Should be. 
Should be. Should but be. I think this I'm, is your Scudetto's on the line here. This is how I feel. Your Scudetto's oh, you on don't the beat line team, here. You don't beat teams like this and all the other good teams win because everyone came off a draw. Yeah. If all the teams in the top of the table win and you start to lose these games, yeah. that's it. I'll tell you right You're now. You're always playing catch-up. You're never going to get I'll it. I'll tell you right now. Inter's got this game on Sunday against Torino. Three days later, they play Madrid in a decisive group stage game for the Champions League. The, the next match, three days later, is against Sassuolo. Yeah, it's a make, make uh, or break. It's a make or break week for that. November, December. It's a make or break important month. Yeah, it's a make or break. Yeah, so you have Sorry, especially December. December is a very important month going into December. Yeah, I mean, you have to be set up. Yeah, top the table because a lot of games come uh, quick and fast. So you're playing every three days for the next couple of weeks: Torino, Madrid, Sassuolo, Muchen Gladbach, and then Bologna. We'll see. This isn't the Inter show, so I don't want to talk about them too much. Yeah, and then Shakhtar. Holy jeez! But Conte, it just comes. It simply comes down yeah. to Conte. Yeah, Scudetto's Scudetto to me is on the line this week. As much as I, I picked Inter to win the Scudetto, I, I, you know, I'd love to see it happen. But I just don't think with the current state of the team, I just I'm gonna go on a limb here. I this is where the upset happens for me. Torino's playing a little bit better than they were. were. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to pick up a draw in this game. They've gotten four points on the road. I think Belotti finds a way behind that inter defense. It all depends sure, on... Sure, Belotti's riding high now too yeah. after he scored his international goal. scored his international goal. goal. He's got, invincible now. He's got six goals for Torino right now. I think we're going to see... Belotti isn't having a bad season. No, he's, he's not. a good season. Six goals, one assist so far. Um, another player coming off the international break. Mind you, Poland did lose both those games, but but had a good performance in both the game against Poland, a game against Italy, game against the Netherlands. Carl Linetti really showing his worth in the midfield there. You got Lukic, dangerous too. Lukic. Even their defense looks pretty good. Their defense... Bremner. Yeah, Bremner. They're uh, a solid team. They're just uh, yeah. identity crisis mode right now. I think so too. But it seems like they're starting to kind they're of... Come around. Come around. I think kind gonna, of. I think they're coming around. But if they get smashed in a game like this, this could upset everything again for them. Oh, no, this could. That's how fragile Torino this is. Yeah, I agree. This is how fragile this game is. Torino gets a result out of this game. It's a point. I think Scudetto's over for. I think Scudetto talk will be over for a while for Inter until they go unless they go on a miraculous run. Yeah. Whereas if Inter wins this game, it's the end of Gianpaolo. Time to rebuild Torino. Depending on depending on how bad he gets. Depending on how bad he gets. But another key factor hasn't been stellar this season. But the big question is: is the battle in net? Can Salvatore Sirigu outplay Samir Andanovic in this game? Oh, hands down he can. I think he Andanovic can. Andanovic has been one of the worst goalies yes. in the league. Salvatore Sirigu has had an okay season. He's made a couple of mistakes. It happens. But he's got confidence back. He played in that, in, in that game against Estonia. Mind you, it wasn't against Estonia, but that was a game he needed to get some confidence out of. He's got it back. I think he's riding high. As a goalkeeper myself, confidence is 75% of how well you play. If you lose your confidence, you're gonna have an abysmal game. Or if you don't, if you play scared, you're gonna have an abysmal game. But if you have confidence and you're confident in your in your ability, you're gonna play a lot better than you actually are. So I think Sal Sidigu is confident right now. I think he's gonna be difficult to beat for this Inter team. Let's see what the tapping King Lukaku can do. Um, That's it. Let's move on to the next. Game. Let's move on to the next game. So Giuliano's telling you to take Inter to win. Yes. I'm telling you to take Torino and Inter to tie. Wow, next games. game so there's four games four games in this afternoon which one do you slot, want to talk right? about let's uh i know which one you want to talk about well i want to talk about them all we'll talk about let's go into roma parma big, 
big news. Stadio Olimpico. Announced the news. I honestly think this is one of the biggest signings yeah. Roma could have made. Yeah. It's uh, gone so under the radar. I Nobody's talking about I it. I honestly think this is going to change Roma. Yeah. Tiago Pinto from Benfica shocked the world and has been signed uh, to as general manager to Roma. He's going to have more roles. He's got the director role. Um, he's been working at Benfica for the past few years. I think uh, it's been three years. Did, three years. And he's worked in all their different, through all their clubs. Yeah, so that's the beauty. Like of, basketball, you know how, so Did you read how he got hired? Yes. So he was. Uh, he made some comments in the General Assembly. Yeah. And uh, that impressed Benfica so much that they gave him a job. Yeah. 36 years old. I think this is a stellar move. I know people are saying, oh, you're biased from a fan. No, this is perfect. So this is the first time at the... He wasn't even on the radar he wasn't. for technical director. So the director and the manager are Portuguese. Paulo Fonseca. I think this shores up Paulo Fonseca, who's been doing a phenomenal job. I'm very excited about this. Benfica is known to bring in their youth. Very good in the youth sector, developing talent. This is what Tiago Pinto does. So he is going to... The Friedkin Group has really seen what they have in the youth academy. They really want to harbor that. They really want to develop that. So going with Tiago Pinto is the right move. This really sets up Roma for the future. It really does. He doesn't technically start till January for Roma, so he's going to get to work in January. I can imagine that you know he's gonna he's gonna start getting familiar with everything but this is a great move um for the friedkin group they are doing such a great job i can't underest i can't tell you how happy i am as a roma fan that they're doing this this was a shock move nobody nothing on the ra- he was never on the radar he was never even mentioned goes to show you what the media knows <laughs> <laughs> um but this is a great move um and uh this is only going to make roma better Roma's already punching above their weight. We're in transition and sitting fourth in the league. Sitting right now. fourth in the league. First thing you got to do is you got to get Paulo Fonseca an extension and then you got to look at what players you're going to bring in. So this means with Thiago Pinto coming in in January, you're not going to look you're not going to be looking for at make or break signings in January for Roma. I think you're just going to keep going with the ship. You're just going to keep going with what you have. And then you're going to target something in the summer transfer window. I think that's how it's going to be. I think that's the right move. Don't make any rush signings. Nothing like that. But uh, it's it's a great move. Uh, in other news too, Dan Friedkin did have a personal meeting with Francesco Totti um, about offering him a role in the club as well, which makes a big difference. They're just they're just doing everything right with this Roma team. They're they're developing a team for the future. There's some great pieces in this Roma team. There's some bright prospects in the youth academy. And I'm sure there's going to be some young talent coming in with with Tiago Pinto coming in. So for those of you that don't know much about Tiago Pinto, read up on him. He's very impressive. He's only 36 years old. He's only been in the in this kind of world for three years. But he's also for Benfica, all for Benfica, but he's worked in different departments. He's worked in futsal. He's worked in Benfica volleyball. He's worked in Benfica basketball. So he knows a lot. He knows how the world works. And... Uh, that's really all I have to say about that. But it's, it, it, if you're a Roma fan, this is great news. This is great news. Yes, he may be scared of the unknown. It is great news. This is where people make their names. Okay? This is where people make their For a guy to make certain comments to impress a club like Benfica so much that they offered him a job, guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, there's got to be something special. About there's got to be something special about him. So congratulations, Thiago Pinto. I look forward to seeing you at the helm for a while. And uh, please, please 
Sign Paulo Fonseca. Maybe Joao Felix will come to Roma. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's get, let's get into the let's game. Let's get into the game. Roma at home against Parma. Parma abysmal right now. In a, no, not really. I think they're abysmal right now. They're not abysmal. They've six games, all competitions, one loss to Udinese. They've uh, got two draws. I mean, three draws, two wins. They're sitting right now. One of those wins was Coppa Italia, right? Yeah, one of them was Coppa Italia. Sixteenth uh, place right now. Yeah, they're sitting sixteenth, fifteenth, six points because mm-hmm. the goal differential and on uh, Roma sitting fourth, fourteen points. Both teams defense a bit of a weakness. Parma yeah. thirteen goals against Roma, eleven goals against. Difference is Roma scores double the goals Parma has. That's right. That's where I think this is going to happen. Um, I so just expect goals in this game. Yeah, I, I Roma expect goals. They struggle against teams that sit back. They do struggle against teams that sit back, but it'll be interesting to see what what kind of Parma shows up. Is it going to be a counterattacking Parma, or is it going to be the Fabio Liverani Parma that's going to try and implement these things? These these these. I think he's gone full sit back counterattack. Well, we'll see. I think he has. We'll see. We'll see. You're but, gonna you're gonna see Parma. They leave a lot of holes in their in the gap between yeah. midfield and defense. They leave a big gap there, so it's going to be up in this game up to the players like Pellegrini and yeah. Bertu. Yeah. Pedro to find that space in between and link up play connected with Jekyll's back in this game. Well, no, he's not. Oh, he's not back. He's not back. Oh. He's targeting the, the return against Napoli. Surprise. He's okay. not. He's not back. He's still got COVID. Really? That's the target. Yeah, it's Roma target against Napoli. So we are without Ed and Zeko this game. So the big thing Proven is. Proven they can do it without They him. can do it without him. But Borja, Mayoral's got to show up. In this game, obviously he's going to get the start. Ken Henry, good old Henry, Mkhitaryan, mm-hmm. can he put in another stellar performance? Let's see. The guy's got three goals, four assists so far for Roma. Um, All three, three goals, goals in, in one game. In one game. Um, I'm not worried about the defense in this game. The, it's Roman defense has shown that it's, it's one of our strengths right now. Midfield is showing that it's solid. And then uh, goalkeeper, Paulo Lopez, has some confidence. He probably won't start this game. Um, they'll probably bring in Mirante because he's been on for a while, who's our starter right for this season. I just see Roma winning this game. I, I don't. I, I mean, I think it's going to be like I think Parma might get one past Roma. I just think that Roma's figured out their defense, and since they figured out their defense, their defense has been solid. I think those. Yes, they've conceded eleven goals in the Serie A, but that's when they were figuring things out. Now they know what works. I think you're going to see probably a two nothing, maybe a one nothing game because yes, we are missing Ed and Zeko. It all depends on can Pedro. Can Pedro find, get behind Parma? I think he can. Can well, what Henrik Mkhitaryan will show up? He's been solid. And can, if Bora Mario Rao gets a start, can he break his Serie A duck? So let's see what happens. I think Roma's going to win this game. I just, I think it's, I'm going to call it kind of differently. If Parma scores first in this game, they're going to win this game. Really? You think gonna so? draw. If they score first. If they score first. Okay. Because. Uh, I can almost guarantee they're going to sit back and their counterattack is one of the best in the league. Again, Roma does struggle against teams that sit back. So if Parma does get that goal first, you're going to see uh, a lot of problems for Roma. Okay. But like I was saying before, with Parma's weakness, their glaring weakness is the midfield and the defense isn't coordinated. The midfields don't pick up the players that find that space. So Mkhitaryan, if he can, if he can somehow orchestrate in that space there, 
I think he can, uh, and he's shown he's got four assists already. Yeah. If he can find gaps in that defense in midfield area, you're going to see a few goals for Roma here. Oh, yeah. But it depends on if Parma scores first or not. That's what this whole game hinges on. Okay. So depending on, Giuliano's pressure is based on depending on if Parma can score first. I'm telling you either way, Roma's going to win this game. And I can t- I can call a Roma loss. I think I have. I called a loss or a tie earlier in the podcast. I just think Roma's going to win this game. Hands down. All right. All right. Next. Which one do you want to do? We'll do uh, Sampdoria. Let's do Sampdoria, yeah. Sampdoria hosting Bologna. Tricky game to call. Very tricky. This is one you want to stay away from. Yeah. I wouldn't want to bet this game. Bologna, you know. Sampdoria have been on better form. Yeah, they have been. Bologna lost quite a few games. Four of their last five. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. Two teams that... They're strange. Yeah. On their day, they could beat anybody. Yeah. But their defense is very inconsistent. That's the that's the model for these two teams. Yeah. They concede almost uh, just under two goals a game, both teams, almost. Yeah. And they score roughly just over a goal a game. Yeah. This is a tough one to call. Uh, I think it's they're... Good. I Go can ahead. guarantee you're going to see cards. Oh, you're going to see it's cards. Gonna be it's going to be an aggressive game. Aggressive you game. T- you got two coaches that love uh, aggressive play. Yeah. I think you're going to see a couple goals in this game, to be honest. I think so, too. I think, for me, like I was saying with the defense, Bologna, to me, has the better skilled players here on -on one-on-one duels. I don't think uh, Sampdoria's defense, like Tonelli, I don't think is a great one-on-one defender, for instance. So if if Bologna can find a way to isolate the wing backs, isolate the center backs, run at them one-on-one, which they have the players to do it. Yeah. Like Soriano, Palacio. That's what Palacio is actually good at. Yeah. Or Cellini. If they can get, win those one-on-one duels and beat them with their dribbles, I think Bologna will uh, sneak out a win here. Okay. I think so. I think this game's got tie written all over it for me. I just, mm-hmm. it's too hard to separate them. That's what I was leaning to yeah. the first time. It's too hard to separate them. You've got two great coaches there in Sinisa Mihailovic and Claudio Ranieri. Claudio Ranieri, the tamper man, the tinker man, can, can always adjust to any game. Mm-hmm. Hard to call there. Sinisa Mihailovic. He's going to counterattack this game. Claudio? Yeah. yeah. He'll, He's going to counterattack. He'll, he'll counterattack this game. I think you'll see Bologna playing on the attack yeah. more so. I'm going to say they're going to tie this game. That's yeah. what I'm calling for. So you're saying Bologna's going to win? I think Bologna, to me, is going to win just on yeah. Okay. their one-on-one duels. So it's a tricky game to call. So if you want to, if you if you really want to go out there and bet this game, Giuliano's telling you to take Bologna. I'm telling you to take the tie. Let's move on to the last game at nine o'clock on Sunday morning. The be- uh, one of the be- arguably the best offense is visiting the best defense. Yeah. Hellas Verona hosting Sassuolo. These games are always interesting when the best offense plays the yeah, best defense. Verona have made these games interesting. Now, who they've drawn with Milan? Yeah. And Juve. Yeah. They've taken and Roma. They got to win on Roma. They technically drew Roma. Technically, so they so they held Roma too. So they've shown that they can stop all the, the best big offenses. Yeah, I mean, this is can they do it again against the Swallow? Yeah, and this the Swallow team is going to be firing on all cylinders, right? I mean, there's Caputo's playing, Locatelli playing, Berardi playing. They got is their, Caputo in this game. Do we know? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Don't quote me on it, but I believe so. If this Sassuolo team's got their Oh, that's a tough call. 
because Verona plays cut the nacho, shut down, counter attacking style. Their defense they is don't, so and good. they just pop in a goal a game. Yeah, <laughs> they, they are they are the old school Italian team. They really are, where they're just stubborn to beat, solid. Marco Silvestri's got some rest. He's the for me the best goalkeeper, the best goalie in City. Right best now. goalkeeper in City. Yeah, yeah. I know it's hard to say with Donnarumma, but for me, no, he is Marco. It's Silvestri. very, it's a very fine line. But yeah. Marco Silvestri, I agree. Yeah. He's uh, he hasn't made a mistake all year. That's no, he hasn't, and uh, a lot will be hinging on that. This game, Hellas Verona at home. They just they've just been very stubborn to beat. They've they've gone at it again. They, the home is their fortress. They've gotten ten points out of four games mm-hmm. at home. The 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 Bente, is it the yeah the Marco Antonio Bentegodi has been their fortress. Um, and then you got Sassuolo. Sassuolo has a perfect away record. Uh, three wins, zero losses, zero draws. So this is a tough game to call. This is honestly. I think this is another measuring stick game for Sassuolo. I really yeah. do. I think the pressure's on them to win this game. Currently sits second with 15 points. 15 points. Could be away. Verona sit eighth with 12. They win this game. If you do the math, if you know how to add three plus two, that would put them at five, which would be 15. Yeah. It's... And... That's it. They'll be in second Verona, possibly, if everyone else drops points. Yeah. Like, That's how tight this table is. It, it's Yeah. I mean, it's they'll be on par with Sassuolo. So they're not far off. Sorry. That, yeah, that's what I meant. Verona will be right up there. Yeah, they're not far off with Sassuolo. If you look at their last six games, the only difference is they uh, they had that weird loss to Parma, Verona. But it's yeah. because they went against a team that sat back yeah. and countered them. They didn't they, know what to do. They didn't know what to do. And we know Sassuolo isn't going to sit back. No, they're going to come out and they're going to press. And Sassuolo hasn't lost this season, right? They haven't lost. That's That's been one of their things. They score and they can protect a lead. Yeah. They don't concede uh, goals once they're in the lead. They have they've been playing pretty decent defensively. Yeah, so I, that's the thing. Like we know we know Sassuolo is going to dominate. Yeah, they're going to press. They play a high press game, a, a bit more smart though with their press than Atalanta's. Who yeah. they play man to man. So Sassuolo more so corrals their opponents yeah. in area and then they press. Uh, and Sassuolo are dangerous on set pieces. Caputo has shown even though he's not the tallest, he can score a header. Yeah. I just think. The what do you think? I, I don't know what to call this. Can can Verona keep doing this with the top teams? Keep getting draws. I I don't know. I think they had the most ties last year too. They I think they did too. And th- here's the thing though: How's Verona a well-rested team? Uh, not a lot of players go off on international. No, duty. I think maybe Barak goes yeah. for the Czech Republic. Yeah, not, not so they're very, all in all they're a very well rested team coming up against a Sassuolo team. Chicho Caputo, if he's playing, he's well rested. But you got Domenico Berardi and Manuel Locatelli, Manuel Locatelli especially, that uh, that played a big part in uh, in the international break for the Italian national team. But both of them, both Berardi and Locatelli confidence level are sky high i just think this is a swallow's i think it's a swallow's hundredth year in in existence it's a very special year for them i think you're going to see something very special a very remarkable finish for them i think sasuolo is going to win this game i think the derby is going to take the sasuolo team to the next level and draw for me draw so juliano's saying take the draw i'm telling you take this a swallow win we'll see what happens i'm just i'm basing that off of because if you looked at who sasuolo has drawn so they've won four they've tied three so they've almost tied 50% of their games. Their ties have come to uh, Torino when they were sitting back, Udinese when they were sitting back, and their other tie came to, uh, let me just pull it up here, it came to Cagliari 
when they were doing their yeah their thing. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be interesting, especially when you got uh, two of the top three playing each other this week. Mm-hmm. It's a, if you're just a swallow and you see that in the calendar, you know, yeah, you win. It's going to separate you. Yeah, they're going to start the separation. So, if you're a betting person, Juliano's telling you to take the tie. I'm telling you to take the swallow win. Let's move on to the next game. We got the Schief Derby here. The six relegation six-pointer. This is going to be like, I'm telling you, it's going to be like a championship game because both teams know they need to win this game bad. Yeah. Udinese hosting Genoa at the Dacia Arena. Both teams. Well, Udinese is starting to find their way, right? Yeah, they got... And Genoa is just abysmal. <laughs> yeah, Genoa have been terrible. Yes. Udine, six goals for in seven games, 11 goals against. Genoa, seven goals for, 15 goals against. Yeah. Sitting on five points, Genoa. Udinese sitting on four points. That's the difference. I think uh, for me, Udinese has more uh, strings to their bow when it comes to attacking. Yeah, I think so too. I think they have a better defense, and I think they have a better midfield. So, yeah. without a doubt. I, and I think Gotti, the players like him. Yeah, they do. They like uh, the way he sees the game. You're not going to see a lot of chances here. Maybe Kevin Lasagna breaks his goal duck here and oh. gets a goal. Because uh, if he doesn't do it in this game, I don't know who he's going to do it against. Yeah. And uh, you'll probably see him or Okaka, Chuka, Stefano. He'll pop in with a goal, I think. Genoa, they're, to me, they're finished, Genoa. Genoa, there's, no, there's nothing to play for there for some reason. seems like they're done. I disagree. I think Genoa knows how important this game is. They got a stellar, solid goalkeeper in Mattia Perin. Yes, Who can do. carry them on his back. Juan Musso on the other side, though, is the same solid goalkeeper for Udinese. This is, that's, a, that's a thing. These both, these both of these teams, yes, they're 18 and 19. Both have solid goalkeepers in that. Um, for some reason, for some reason, and I don't know why, I just think... I mean, I, I would love to call for a draw in this game. It's a safe, I, it's a safe bet to 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 see a draw. But you, both teams don't want that. Both teams know how important three points in this game would be because they're fighting for their lives here. Mm-hmm. I just think Matia Perin comes out and has a stellar performance, and somehow Skamaka finds his way. I mean, Marco Piaha and Skamaka are the joint top two goal scorers for this Genoa team with two goals apiece. And Stefano Okaka is the top goal scorer for Udinese with two goals. That, so that's what I was going to say. Gianluca Skamaka, he, that's, that's the danger on Genoa. Yeah. That's, that's the danger. That's really the only danger on Genoa, right? He's, he's a good player. Yeah. But the difference is Udinese's top performers on the team, Rodrigo DePaul, hands down their best player. Delefeu. And their defense has been really good this yeah. year. It hasn't been bad, their defense. So once their midfield and forward start scoring, they're immediately going to be out of relegation. It's just a matter of their forwards now starting to pull their weight in this team. Yeah. Because they haven't been. No, they haven't. And this is a game where, to me, That's as a someone who used to play as a, as a forward, you look forward to a game like this, banging you know, a brace, get a hat trick, something, and then yeah. build your season off of that. I think that's what's going to happen here for one of the Udinese. Uh, so you're going to you're calling Udinese to win. Udinese, I can't see losing this game. Okay, I think for some reason Genoa is going to somehow survive this game. I think I think it's going to be like a one nothing. Matia put in stellar performance. Skamaka miracle. Goal. Skamaka, I, I like that kid a lot. No, oh, he's Everybody good. Everybody keep an eye on Gianluca. Yeah. He six foot five. Yeah, he played. In, he played in Holland. Yeah. 
to grow up in the uh, Dutch system. He so that means he has good feet, good yeah. technical skills. He uh, he's gonna be a talent to watch out for. Yeah, absolutely. So Janela's trying to take Udinese in this game. I'm trying to take Genoa. Oh, we don't agree on quite. A, we don't agree on quite no, a bit we're this not week. Nothing. Oh, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. Now, best for last, Estadio São Paulo, Sunday afternoon, two forty-five. Last six games played between both teams, four draws, one win each. They are dead even in their last six games. Here's your test, Milan fans. Here's your test. AC sitting first, Napoli sitting third. Yeah. Both teams. Napoli wins this game. They can jump. Even. Both. Yeah, they can jump them. Both teams are almost even on goals for 16 for AC, Napoli 15. Goals against, 7 against each. It's crazy. These guys are almost dead Identical. even. The only reason why Napoli have two losses is because of the the call there. Yeah, the 3 nothing call. The 3-0 three, three disqualifications. So that played is obviously a bit in the standings here. Yeah. This game. What do we think here? Well... This is the test that I was talking Gattuso about. Gattuso coming back to his old club. Yeah. He managed them, was let go. He used to play for AC Milan, of course. Everyone knows that. Yep, Stefano Pioli He's going back. up against Reno Gattuso. This is a this is a tough game to call. The, the one good thing for Milan fans is that Oziman's out for this game. He's because back his, in training. Yeah, he had a shoulder injury on yeah, international duty. With Nigeria. And, yeah. Is he 100% out of this game? Bakayoko was back in training too. He was, he was a question mark. Yeah. Now a lot of a lot of in the media, a lot of people have been saying like, "How's Gattuso going to line this up?" Because Andrea Patania is a guy that wins you balls in the air. Do you really line up with him? You can't because you got Kiar and Romagnoli there. So those are guys that are really big aerial threats. So it would be a moot point for bringing Patania in. So do you line up? the The question is, do you line up with Dries Martins? As your center forward and play a yeah, false nine. Dries can do that. He's proven he can yeah. do that. And I think that's a that would be a brilliant move. I think for so Gattuso too. to make because he is actually looking at that. It's a brilliant move. That's a guy that can get behind. Doesn't have to win the ball in the air. He gets behind. Uh, he gets behind Kiar and and Romagnoli. If if they line up this way, I think it's brilliant. Chucky Lozano has been stellar so far. I mean, this Napoli team. The yes, both, both teams have been. Both really teams good. have been. Yeah, and then Lorenzo Insigne. Like it's gonna be. That's my X factor in this game. Yeah, he's on form. Yeah. So right now, I'm gonna tell you, Napoli's gonna win this game. I'm I'm in the same boat. And yes, I know all you Milan fans say, "No, oh, you just want to see Milan lose." No, it's not. <laughs> it's I think we're hitting the Milan downfall now, and this Napoli team looks just looks really good. It looks really good. They don't. It, like they get any sort of result out of that Juve default, they're they're just a point behind Milan, right? Yeah. If, even if they got a, got a draw, right? So this team just looks. They look so good. There, there's the, the their bad their bad performances have been in the Europa League. Who cares? They're gonna they're gonna make it out of the group anyway. It's it's been shown with uh, Milan. For me personally, they rely too heavily on Zlatan. They do. I think he will be shut down by Koulibaly and yeah. Manolas. Like, look at look at this. And once you shut and once you shut him down, half the battle's done. Because after that, yeah, Frank Hesse's, you know, he's popped in with a goal. Hakan Kalanoglu. He, there's actually rumblings of him leaving the club yeah. for Inter. Uh, there's a lot of uh, yeah. animosity happening there yeah. between management and his agent. 
Rafael Leal is really the only other spark plug that you can yeah. possibly rely on for a goal. And Theo Hernandez hasn't been hasn't been uh he's been great, but maybe going forward he hasn't been as good yeah. as he normally is. He's I you know, me saying that makes it seem like he's having a bad season, but he's having yeah. an amazing season. I still think he's playing the best out of any left back in the league. Yeah. But he's not popping with the goals yeah. uh, like he was last yeah. season. How yet. many goals for does Milan have? Goals for I think I said sixteen before. Yeah. And, and Zlatan's Zlatan. got fifty percent of them. Yes, fifty percent. So them. you're relying heavily on one player where you look at the, the goal distribution between Napoli with fifteen goals. Their highest goal scorer is four goals with Chucky Lozano. Then you got Dries Mertens with two, Oziman with two, Insigne with two, Politano with two, Zielinski with one, Elmas with one, Patania with one. Like yeah, they're, so they're very well distributed. They have options that can score. Yeah, they have more goal scorers on their team as opposed to like we saw with Milan. Yeah. It's only gonna be Zlatan, Rafael Leal, Theo Hernandez will pop within a goal every once in a while. Frank Kessie is only gonna score if it's a penalty. Yeah. And after that, who's gonna get yeah. you a goal? Your yeah, center backs really don't pitch him with goals. No. No, and that's it. That's the thing. Zlatan and Leal are gonna be going up against Koulibaly and Manolas, right? Well, and the bench too. Yeah. You know, Napoli can look to bring a guy off the bench like Politano yeah. onto the field if they're, you know, if he's not performing. Yeah, super sub. Super sub Politano. It's, anytime Politano's come on, he's changed the game for Napoli. He has. He has, right? And I think, too, Milan, they have they have a mistake in them, this team. Yeah. They always have a major mistake in them in this game. Yeah. And the best teams capitalize on the mistakes. Yeah. And I think that's what you'll see. You see in Zlatan, he's given away quite a few penalties. Yeah. Milan, uh, they're a bit clumsy when it comes to that. They they do a lot of fouling and uh, yeah, because they they try and be on the front foot and they're always trying to press and win the ball back. So naturally, they give away fouls. Uh, yeah, and I just see Napoli. You know, Insigne came out and he said himself, Gattuso has changed his game. Yeah, on the field and in his head, he's yeah. changed them as a player. Underrated, see, underrated coach. He, underrated he coach. Is, he is. And, uh, you know, with all due respect to Pioli, Stefano Pioli, I just think Gattuso has the edge on him in the coaching ability. I agree. The only place where Napoli, I'd say, they had no weakness, you're starting to see chinks in their armor in regards to maybe one-on-one battles in the midfield. They can get overrun in the midfield. It's starting to show. That's their weakness. But I don't think Milan have the legs to overrun this Napoli team in the midfield. I don't think a lot of teams do. No. But that has been, I've been watching some of their games, and that's been Napoli. Uh, you can run at them with the ball. Yeah. If you can run at them with the ball, you can cause some trouble in this Napoli team. Yeah. But I don't know if they can. But that's the thing, exactly. Is, is Milan, do they even play like that? Not really. The only player that really runs, it's the left side. Yeah. It's Rafael Leao again and uh, Theo Hernandez. They're yeah. really the only ones that run at their players. No one else really runs at anybody yeah. in this Milan team. Yeah. And that, uh, so if that's on the left side, it means that Di Lorenzo is going to be dealing with them. So another solid side mm-hmm. for Napoli. I just, yeah, I, 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 I echo everything you said, and I just think Napoli's going to win this game. Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to this game. This yeah, gonna be it's going to be a good, it's going to be back and forth. It is yeah. going to be back and forth. We'll see if, uh, we'll see if Kessie gets any penalties for, uh, for Milan. <laughs> I think it's the only way they stay in this game is if Kessie flops like he always does. <laughs> But we'll see. Um, John Luigi Donnarumma is in for a big test. It's it'll be a good test. He's, he should be. He should be. Confidence should be sky high for John Luigi Donnarumma. But now you're going to go up against Lorenzo Insigne, who you spent ten days with. 
you're going to go with against Insigne. You're going to go against Dries Mertens and Chucky Lozano. That's going to be a trident. You're going to have to be. You're going to be really busy, really busy back there. Same with Kiar. Same with Romagnoli, Teo Hernandez, and David de Calabria. If they're going to go with him, so we'll see. But I, we both say Napoli for this game. So that wraps up the uh, City A for Match Day Eight. Um, going to be an interesting week. I think it is interesting weekend. It's going to start separating the top from the bottom. Yeah, I think the so. Cream of the crop. Here. I We're going to so. start seeing who the real contenders are for the Scudato here. Definitely, definitely. You got a lot of big games at the top of the table, and even yeah. even at the bottom of the table, you you're going to see who are the real relegation, uh, yeah, you know, teams, and who's going to be a mid-table team. Yeah. You're going to see the separations all going to yeah. happen here. We could. People see at the, after the end of match day, we could possibly see Sassuolo in first place, Napoli in second place. If there's a draw, yeah, yeah, Napoli in second place. A lot of things can happen. A lot of things Sassuolo, can happen. Sassuolo in first place if Milan loses. Sassuolo nice in first place, Napoli in second place. Milan drops down to third and would be on par with points with Roma. It's a nice story. It's a nice story, especially seeing how Locatelli and yeah. are playing for the national team. And you hope going into next season that they are able to uh, yeah to stay. The big question is, is Arsasuolo the Atalanta of last year? That's a big one. Or the Atalanta of two years ago that made it into Champions League that nobody knew I about. I personally think the Zerbi is a better coach than Gasparini. Yeah. I think Gasparini is a little bit overrated as a coach. Yeah. Uh, not saying he's bad by saying he's overrated, yeah. but I don't think he is one of the best in Syria. No, I think Zerbi he has more strategy to the way he plays, sees the game. I think so. I think so. Gasparini, you know what he's, you're going to get with him. Yeah, Gasparini, you know what you're going to get with him. Um, so, with that being said, there's a couple of things from around the world that we'd like to talk about. Let's start off with the Canadian Soccer Association and Canadian Soccer. Let's bring it right here to home. So Forge FC will be playing Arkehai of Haiti in the CONCACAF League quarterfinal uh, for a spot in the CONCACAF Champions League. Now here comes the controversy. The controversy is the CSA has come out and the Canadian Soccer Association has come out and said, we don't know if we're going to play the final of the Voyager Cup. It all depends on what happens with Forge. And People are all confused that you're canceling the Voyager Cup. Why would you do that? So this is what Canada, the Canadian Soccer Association is doing. If Forge either wins the quarterfinal or wins the playoff, if they lose the quarterfinal and qualifies for the Champions League, uh, then they will cancel the Voyager's Cup. That way, Toronto FC being the higher-seeded Canadian team wins the Voyager Cup spot, and you have two Canadian teams in the CONCACAF Champions League. A lot of fans are upset about that because this is basically the Canadian Soccer Association's kissing Toronto FC's feet. Me personally, uh, I think, yes, you can credit the Canadian Soccer Association with it being a smart move, but I don't agree with it. I think you devalue the worth of the Voyager's Cup, which is the Canadian Championship. You should play this game, and Ford should have the right to possibly beat Toronto FC. This is what you want. You want to see where the CSL stands and where compared to the MLS. And 
the CSA is at fault for this, I think. They're at fault because they totally messed this up with CONCAF. I think CONCAF has a lot of kinks in the armor too that need to be fixed, but the Canadian Soccer Association needs to fix this first and foremost. They knew that this possibility could have happened and they did nothing about it. And the reason why is because the Voyager's Cup is seen as the Canadian qualification spot for the CONCAF Champions League, not the Canadian Soccer League. If you look at the way the European model is, the winner, the, the top four in some in some leagues, like the Premier League, the Serie A, the, the German League, I think now too, or the La Liga, the top four in the Premier Leagues of those countries make the Champions League. And for Canada, the representative, the Canada Cup or the Voyager Cup champion makes the Champions League. That's kind of wrong. Should be the Canadian champion wins earns a spot in the CONCACAF Champions League, so the winner of the CSL. The CSL, like it or not, is your premier league in this country now, and that should be your qualification into the Champions League. The Voyager's Cup berth should now go as a qualification into the CONCACAF League, where the CONCACAF League is kind of seen as a Europa League for North America. That's how they should change it. So Toronto FC wins the Canadian Championship, they go to the CONCACAF League, and they realistically the quality they have they should be able to comfortably qualify for the CONCACAF Champions League but the CSA is not doing that they're not tailing tailoring towards that and why the MLS should not be the American the MLS at the end of the day is an American league it got Canadian soccer on the right track we now have the CSL so do not cater to these MLS teams anymore you have the CSL, you should be catering to your CSL teams. These should be your teams that go into the CONCACAF Champions League and represent Canada. If Toronto FC and the Vancouver Whitecaps and the Montreal Impact want to qualify for the Champions League and want to stay in the MLS, well, win the Voyager's Cup and go and win the CONCACAF League and qualify for Champions League. Or do the right thing, dissolve yourself, and move <laughs> over to the CSL. <laughs> It's the, but it's the truth. It's all I understand. It's all about money, but if you want to do it the European way, that's the way the European way the European model does it. Coppa Italia champion, Coppa Italia, like all the domestic cups, the FA Cup, the Coppa Italia, the 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 French League Cup, all those cups. You know where those champions go? Usually they're in the top four, so they get bumped down to they got the, they bump down the ranks in the leagues, like the and the runner up, the runner up, yeah. right? But technically, the winners of those cups qualify for the Europa League, not the Champions League. So if you want to follow the European model, do that route. I, yes, you're going to make life more difficult for the MLS clubs if they stay in MLS. Big deal. Your Premier League is the Canadian Premier League. So you should be tailoring to them. This is the guys you want to see. The Canadian Premier League develops Canadian talent. The, the, the rules they have in place were how many Canadian players you have to field on in your starting 11 or in your squad is all catered to the development of Canadian soccer. MLS does not do that. They cater to the development of American soccer. That is their priority. So that's my two cents about that. I think the game should go ahead. And if Forge FC would win that game, Toronto FC doesn't deserve to be in the CONCAF Champions League. That, that, that's, that, that's realistically it. You cannot and should not devalue the worth of the Voyager's Cup. Canceling this in order to have two Canadian soccer teams, soccer clubs, in the CONCACAF Champions League. And one side it's good, but on the other side it really devalues the worth of this Canadian championship. That's my opinion on that.
that's my opinion on that. Before we wrap up, I just want to cover some transfer news because now we are approaching uh, the new year in a month and a half. Yeah. There's a lot of transfer rumblings happening in City House. So Juve, for instance, they've announced they want Sammy Kadira out. Bernadeschi, they want out. Wow. Yeah, it was announced. They want the two players gone. Kadira's being linked with uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Mourinho, the old link there, Real Madrid. Inter is being linked with a few players. Maksimovic from Fiorentina and Christian's best friend from Poland, Arek Milik. <laughs> Inter's in the running to sign him. Oh, you poor saps. And a bit surprising here with Napoli, Fabian Ruiz. Apparently, contract talks have stalled with him. He is a linchpin in the Spain midfield. Yep. Amazing player. One of the best midfielders in Serie A. And they're struggling to renegotiate his contract. There's rumors of uh, PSG and Real Madrid swooping in for him. It'd be a shame to see him leave City A. Big time. And the last one, our coach for La Nazionale. Apparently, the uh, Italian Federation is uh, ramping up their efforts to get him to, re- uh, to stay past the World Cup at to resign, extend his contract because Manu and PSG are pushing hard for Roberto Mancini. So. Yeah. So you Man United fans, you might get Roberto Mancini. Well, not going to happen. You never know. Not going to happen until at least after you the Euro. You want to win the Premier League? Hire an Italian coach. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Manchester winning with Manchester City and Manchester United? The Barclays Premier League? Right. Yeah, that's crazy. That'd be cool. That, that would be cool. That'd be cool. That'd be a first. Yeah. So... That's hey, if Roberto Mancini, if Roberto Mancini signs for live or no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Roberto Mancini signs for Manchester United, Dermot, I'm getting a Manchester United jersey. <laughs> I don't, I'm probably a Van de Beek jersey, but if that's it's all depends if he signs, and that's gotta be after the Euro. We gotta take care of business at the Euro first. We gotta take care of the business at the Euro first. Any other transfer news? That's it. So very quickly before we go. I know you. I know the Italian soccer fans are dying to know what's going on in the lower tiers. Real quick, um, I'll just read you out the top eight. The, they are going into match day eight on the twenty first of November um, for the Serie B. Empoli now sitting on top at sixteen points, followed by Chievo in second. Venezia has climbed up to third place, followed by Frosinone, Lecce, Spal. Salernitana and who has dropped down to eighth place? Cittadella. Venezia has one of the nicest jerseys. They do. And I was in Venice not too long ago and I came so close to buying them. You should have because now they, hey, now if, like if, if, if all goes buy. well, they might make Serie A. What a beautiful kit they have. But yeah, they do. It's anyway, sure. I think that wraps up everything. That wraps up everything. Until next time. Good morning. Whenever you're listening to the show. (laughs) Yeah, wherever you're listening to all our followers around the world. No, buongiorno. And buonanotte. Ciao ragazzi. Ciao.